got a bell, hold it high. If you got a bell, hold your, hold your bell up. Did you get a bell? There you go. Who else got a bell? Did you get a bell? All right. I want you all to ring your bell. Ring it loud. Ring it real loud. Ring it, ring it, ring it. Awesome. Good job. All right. Now, hand it to your parents. All right. Good job. So let's, uh, let's open the Word of God this morning and look at, at in Hebrews chapter 9, where um, we've been looking at the last week specifically, looking at the transformation that God uh, has brought into the world through Jesus Christ, that He um, brought a new way of worshiping made a new way of worshiping and knowing God available to everybody and it's um, you know the old covenant could never could never purify the inside of a sinner uh, could never truly cleanse a sinner from sin um, but merely sort of uh, made us temporarily acceptable to to as a worshiper and and so Jesus Christ, came, God sent His Son Jesus to change all that forever. So we're going to look at Hebrews chapter nine, starting in in verse. Uh, well, we're really going to start in verse nine. But what I'd like to have you do is to join me in uh, reading together verses eleven through fourteen. And I think we have that up here. Would you Would you stand with me as we? Read this together. It's a very, a very powerful little portion of Scripture. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning as we as we look at uh, our passage, one thing we're reminded of is that Religion cannot cleanse a sinner in the eyes of God, but only the blood of Christ. Um, All the good works in the world, all the sacrifices of the Old Testament were not sufficient to make the sinners, sinners presentable to the Father for eternal life and inclusion into the family of God. But that only comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. In, cha- in verse, uh, if we back up there, verse 9 says, according to this arrangement, which referring to the old, 
Old Covenant and the, the system of worship and sacrifice. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper. Um, but deal with the food, with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. These were temporary things in the old covenant, and they could never purify the soul. They could never purify when it says conscience here. It's not just talking about that that little voice inside of you that tells you right and wrong, right? But but the 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 internal of the sinner, what's going on at the soul level. It can never purify that. But if we are to be worshipers of God, if we are going to serve God, if we are going to please God, then we must be changed. We must be transformed. To serve a living God, there in, in, as it says in verse 14, if we are to serve a living God, then we must be spiritually living beings. But the Word of God says that apart from Christ, we are not spiritually alive, but spiritually dead to God. And we know the truth that the dead cannot speak. The dead cannot do anything. Now I'm speaking, of course, not of those believers who have passed from, who, who have left this body behind and passed into eternity with, uh, with Christ. But of course, of those, we know that, uh, um, you know, once, once, once this body is done and wears out and reaches its last moment, um, this body is not doing anything else. I can't do anything when this life has expired from my body. And so it is spiritually. The dead cannot wake themselves up spiritually. The dead cannot make themselves spiritually alive. Just as sinners cannot purify themselves from sin. And so we were in desperate need of a Savior one who could do that work for us. You know, I, um, I know we've, uh, we have a, a nurse in the house back there. And uh, um, one of the things that happens in, uh, in, in an ER, if, 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 if someone's life is leaving their body, it's the, the people around them who go to work to bring them back. Right, because that person can't do anything of, of themselves. So we need Christ to give us life. First John chapter five says this verse eleven. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has the life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. It is God who gives eternal life. And that life comes through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if we do not have the Son, we do not have the life. It is that cut and dried. The old covenant 
It needed to be reformed. It needed something new to replace it. As we talked about last week, that uh, Hebrews chapter 9 says it was wearing out. It was worn out, and it was getting more worn out. It was antiquated. It needed replaced because it could not purify the sinner for a holy and righteous God. And so to make people acceptable to know and worship God, it was God who had to give people life. It was God who had to cleanse the sinner. Verse 11 there says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood. God sent his son his one and only son, born of a virgin, born in a humble little town, born in very humble settings, laid in a manger, that he would grow up and give his life as a sacrifice for all of humanity. So that everyone, you and me and the people we love, people we interact with every day, our neighbors, our coworkers, would receive him by faith and receive his forgiveness. That he would give eternal life and the gift of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 3 verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And so there are two, two positions we can, one of two positions that we find ourselves in, condemned or not condemned. There's not a, there's not a place in between where we're partly condemned or partly not condemned. We are either condemned or not condemned. And the basis of that is whether or not we belong to him through faith in Christ, believing in his son, Jesus, whom he sent for us. Acts 2.38 says, uh, as Peter was, was preaching the gospel, uh, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the crowd, and they pleaded with him about what do we, what do, we do with this information that you've given us about Jesus And he said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. God purifies the sinner through Christ and gives us life and fills us with the Holy Spirit, His presence with us. God had to revive us in order to worship Him. If we are going to belong to the living God, then we need to be alive. If we are going to worship the living God, we need to be alive. If we are going to serve the living God, we need to be alive. And I'm talking about the life that comes through Christ. And this is a permanent, eternal transformation that happens through Jesus. Whereas the Old Covenant, it would 
provide some temporary coverings of sin. Um, you know, even the priest who would go in once a year into the Holy of Holies would offer sacrifice for his own sins first, and then the sins of the people. This was just good enough to make him uh, uh, okay in that moment. But when he left, guess what? To enter back in the next year, more sacrifice would have to happen. More blood sacrifice would have to be given for himself and for the people. But Christ has made us alive. Done what the law could not do. Done what all the good works in the world could not do. Done what philosophy could not do. Um, done what uh, all, the, all the self-help in the world could not do. And done what we could not do for one another. Verse, as we continue on there, he says that he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? God created us in the beginning. If we go all the way back to Genesis, we, we read that God created us in his image. Male and female, he created us. That we would walk in fellowship with him. That we would know him, that we would serve him, that we would love him, uh, that we would worship him. And when sin entered the world through Adam and Eve, it broke that fellowship with God. It interjected fear of God's judgment into that relationship. It divided those who were created in the image of God from God himself. But the blood of Christ has taken that division away. His blood is sufficient to restore us to God. The sacrificial blood of, of Christ, you know, one of the messages of Hebrews is that Christ is superior in every way to everything that has preceded him. And the blood of Christ is no different. That his sacrifice is superior to all other sacrifices. The blood of Christ is superior to the sacrificial blood of all the animals that were sacrificed throughout the ages. And his blood alone is able to make us eternally acceptable to God. It's astounding because right before this, Hebrews presents to us that Jesus is our great high priest. So he's the one that goes before the Father on our behalf. But he's also the very one who, you know, the priest didn't, of the old covenant, they didn't sacrifice themselves. They sacrificed something else. They went before God with the blood of something else. Jesus went, goes before the Father with his own blood as a sacrifice for us. He transforms us from dead to alive, from corrupt 
sinner to righteous. And that's a hard thing to really, I think, for me anyways, to wrap my head around. That somehow um, Christ has made me acceptable to the Father with his own righteousness. Because I am very well aware that I'm still in process of growing and maturing and trying to leave the old person behind. Christ has made me new. Christ has given me new life. Christ has made me a child of God. Christ has given me eternal life. Christ has given me forgiveness. Christ has purified me from sin. Christ has made me righteous. He has made me holy. Now, don't take my word for it. (laughs) It's the word of God that speaks this. And so I know that my confidence in approaching God, whether it be in prayer or worship or service, uh, or or when I when I when when God takes my last breath and I cross into eternity. So whether it is now or then, I know that I may have confidence that while I still wrestle with some of those desires that that I have spent most of my life perfecting before I came to Christ, I know that I can have confidence in standing before Him not because I was able to cross a hurdle, but because the blood of Jesus Christ is sufficient for me. As we light the, the candle of joy today, every sinner who has come to faith in Christ should have joy. Because you, without Christ, are hopeless. There, there, there is no eternal rest. There is no inclusion into the family of God. There is no forgiveness of sin apart from the one and only sacrifice that is sufficient to forgive sinners, and that is Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 21 says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die as a result of sin that we share with Adam, so also in Christ shall we be made alive. Colossians chapter 2 verse 11 In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Circumcision being one of the signs of the old covenant that a a person belonged to God. Um, And here is talking about a circumcision that's not happening with hands. A circumcision not of flesh but by the circumcision of Christ. What's that mean? Well, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you 
who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Now, he doesn't, he doesn't address any f- a flesh circumcision here as being even important, but rather that there is something that happens in our soul that makes us, uh, that makes us now belong to God. God, so you who were dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Those are dead to God and their souls cannot make themselves alive. And those who are sinners in their soul cannot make themselves righteous or clean. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 um, echoes our passage here in, in Hebrews. And Hebrews says that, that uh, Christ who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Turn there with me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. Side note, while you're turning there, this is really, I don't think of any consequence, but, you know, there's always a debate about who wrote Hebrews. And uh, the deeper I dig into Hebrews, the, the more I'm convinced that while, whether or not Paul wrote it, I know not. But I think either Paul had, Paul had something to do with it. That's all I'm going to say. I, I'm, I, I think Paul had something to do with it. There's so much in Hebrews that echoes the very things he says in many of his letters. But apparently it's not that important for us to know right now, so that'll be one of those things. Maybe we'll find out later. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. Now Paul's writing to believers and assuring them that they were not always righteous. They did not always belong to God. But there was a time where before they came to Christ, they were actually dead to God. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. That is what we deserved. We were by nature children of wrath. That is who we were at the soul level. We were people who were waiting to receive God's judgment and deserving of it. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus 
so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God has saved us not as a result of something we've done here. We were dead in our trespasses, it says, when God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. And he's raised us up so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us. God has saved us that we might become exhibit A uh, in the pouring out of his grace and kindness in a world of sin. So that, uh, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. When we think about uh, Christmas, um, one of the first things that we think about, I think, is the giving of gifts. And the giving of gifts, especially for the Christian, finds its root in the giving of the gift, the gift of God to humanity, His Son, Jesus Christ. It is the gift of God that sinners can find, find forgiveness. It is the gift of God that those who are dead can be made alive. It is the gift of God that those who are enemies of God can become His children. Not by our own doing, but a gift, by the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Remember, Hebrews says that we were purified um, so that we are, we are our, our soul purified from dead works so that we can now serve the living God. We have been purified and made alive so that we can serve the living God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, 8, 8, 9, and 10, God has saved us and now made us able to serve our Father in heaven. We were created to do good works, good works that belong to Him. But we can't do those good works if we are spiritually dead. I mean, don't get me wrong, we can do kind things to one another, there are good things we can do one towards another, but in terms of doing it on behalf of God or as an act of service to Him or an act of worship and honoring and glorifying to Him, We must be made alive. We must be purified. And that happens through Christ. He made us alive in Christ. He raised us up in righteousness. It's by grace, not by religion, not by ceremony, not by good works. And He made us alive in Christ that we would serve Him. Romans chapter 8. Um, flip over to the left there from Ephesians Romans to Romans chapter 8. And this is, uh, I, I think this is a passage here that, that most of us should revisit 
fairly frequently to be reminded of this truth. Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Remember what uh, John's Gospel said? That there, there are two, right? Condemned, not condemned. Um, those who reject Christ and are condemned, those who believe in Him and are not condemned, that have received His forgiveness. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who are going to walk in the Spirit must have the Spirit, and those who have the Spirit must belong to God to receive the Spirit, and that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh, that that, uh, sinful um, mind and heart and soul, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. These are very strong statements. In a world where where many people say they believe in God, it boils down to not what we say with our lips, but what we believe in our heart first. Um, We can say many things with our lips, but if it does not first transpire within our heart, it does not save us. It is not sufficient. But we cannot, it says. If we, are, if we are in the flesh, we cannot please God. We must be in the Spirit. We must belong to Him. We must have received life from Him and forgiveness from Him. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I have a very important question for you today. The scriptures present to us that we are, we, we are in one of two places. We are spiritually dead or we are spiritually alive. Spiritually dead people cannot reside in the kingdom of God. Spiritually dead people do not belong to God. Spiritually alive people do. 
spiritually alive people have received the promise of eternal life and forgiveness of sin. If Apart from Christ, the, the Word of God says that we are enemies of God and deserving of His wrath. Whereas if we are believers in Christ, we have received His forgiveness and are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, having been made acceptable to God through Christ. My question is, have you received Christ by faith? Have you been cleansed by the blood of Christ through your faith in Him? There's no other means to become acceptable to the Father, only through Christ. Have you been made spiritually alive through Christ, through faith in Him? There's no other way to revive your soul before a holy and righteous God, but only through His Son, Jesus Christ. So if you're trying to serve a living God without Christ, um, Scriptures say that's an impossibility. And before God, Jesus even said that there are going to be many people that come before him on a day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all kinds of stuff in your name? Didn't we do this for you and didn't we do that for you? And he's going to say, depart from me. I don't know who you are. Because that transformation has never happened by faith in their soul. And if you have given your life to Christ, Man, you've been given a gift like no other. The blood of Christ has cleansed you. I know, I'm assuming, um, that you often feel much like me in that you recognize still a wrestling with sin. You recognize a still a wrestling with pride and selfish desires and you don't feel purified and clean. But I assure you, based upon the word of God and the sufficiency of the blood of Christ, that if you have trusted in him, you are, in fact, before the Father, clean and pure and holy and worthy of him, not based on you, but based on his son, Jesus Christ, whom he's given for you. Imagine, uh, I think of like, just all the the gifts that I received, you know, from family or whatever, all the Christmases combined, you know, and, and um, sadly, many of those gifts, um, the joy of it lasted like five minutes, you know, like socks, okay, right? Um, and because we're giving though good things that we give, and from good hearts and good motives, we give temporary gifts to one another that cannot satisfy or meet the need of the soul. It for a believer, one of the beauties of the giving of gifts is that there's a a sharing. Even in the giving of physical gifts, there's a sharing that happens 
between believers that, is, that goes beyond the physical gift to a fellowship of the soul through Jesus Christ. And, and that certainly extends beyond the physical nature of gift giving. But, but we have been given a gift in Christ that is forever, that has fundamentally changed who we are, that has brought us from death to life, that has brought us from a sinner deserving of the wrath of God into a child who belongs to the Father. And that cannot be taken from you. That new bicycle can. Right? I've had that happen. Um, The bike can be stolen. The bike can get rusted. The bike can get backed over by a vehicle. Just saying those things happen. Um, But this gift that we have been given in Christ cannot be taken away from us. Though all the powers of the earth and all of the spiritual darkness that is present combine their forces together to remove us from the kingdom of God, they cannot do it. The gates of hell will not prevail against the work of God that He has done in you through Jesus Christ. So, as uh, the song says, raise your head, weary sinner. Your salvation has been won and it cannot be stolen from you. And if you've not received a gift this gift that cannot be taken from you, unlike every other gift that can be given. I encourage you today strongly to receive this gift by placing your faith in Christ, to ask Christ to come into your life, to be your Lord, to be your Savior, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you with His blood and make you acceptable to the Father that you can serve the God who created you. And know him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this transformation that you have done in us to revive us, to give us life, to clean us, to purify us, to bring us into your family. And Lord, I I know that we share, all of us, uh, Lord, in those who have believed in you, we share in this salvation. We share in this hope. We also share in the struggle of, of finding it still difficult to leave the, the old person behind that we were before you saved us. But we ask for your help that you would continue to help us to grow and mature in our walk with you that more and more day by day that the way we think, the way we act, the way we speak, the way we interact with one another, the way we respond to this world around us, uh, Lord, that all of it would more and more reflect uh, the love and, and truth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who today um, have been res- up to today have been resistant to you, Lord, I pray that you would that you would, by your Spirit, that you would just breach that resistance that they have had towards you. Lord, and draw them to yourself. That you would call, um, that, you would call that, that weary soul into the kingdom of God. 
through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray this all in your name. Amen. You know, as I mentioned earlier, that one of the reasons that I think we do give gifts to one another is in likeness, though it's not comparable to the gift of the Son of God, it is in likeness to Him that we give generously to one another. And I want to encourage you that as you give gifts this Christmas holiday, um, that you seek to do so in likeness to the way that God gave His Son. That is, with a, out, of, out of a love and desire for um, the good things uh, that God has for us in this life and to be looking for ways to be able to share the ultimate gift that we have in Jesus Christ. And I think that's where for us as believers especially, that's where the true joy is uh, in the exchanging of gifts. It's not in um, just the giving of stuff. Um, really, do we need more stuff? Probably not. But we do need more of the love of Christ. We do need more of the fellowship of the Spirit among the body of Christ. And these are things that can transpire as we are generous to one another during this holiday and generous to those who don't yet understand all of that. So Lord, bless and keep you and may his spirit direct you as you navigate the holidays and seek to do so on his behalf. Lord, bless and keep you. I want to remind you of uh, potluck downstairs and uh, gift exchange, which there are plenty of gifts down there. If you didn't bring one to participate in the exchange, please don't let that hinder you. Um, Lord loves you guys. Walk worthy of him because Christ has made you so.